Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks. We have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to keep the conversation rolling with you. So, Pad, where does everybody go after the show? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You, got, you go over there, and it's not gone yet, but we're still on Twitter. We're still on X. The sky has not fallen there just yet, but we have all our social media accounts right there on the front page. We also have the T Public Store link, so if you want to go sport some ODPH swag, especially to your favorite conventions coming up, no better time to go get some. I'm telling you right now. And thank you to everybody who supported the sale this past weekend. Love seeing those uh, numbers come in for that. So, it, you know, absolutely means the world. Also, Patreon link is right there on the front page. Patreon definitely got something planned for this month. So shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. Also, the blog section, which we have new reviews up. Uh, always kind of happen left and right. You never know what's going to be popping up there. Also, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and many more. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 920,000. Sounds about right to me. I never question this. Pat is on his game when it comes to this, and nobody keeps track of it better than Padawan J, folks, telling you firsthand. Also, the music directory, which we have a lot of stuff coming, uh, by the way, of Brian Wolf and the Howlers, Tom Jolu, Shout Out the Robots, Floodlands, the list goes on and on. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the entertainment edition of the show, we have to recap yet again an episode that made more Star Wars pop culture fans freak out than the mainstream fans. Mm-hmm. I think that's an honest statement. Pat is our aficionado. Yeah, no, you're right. Because with what has been going on with Disney Plus's monster hit, Ahsoka, has really started teetering on that pop culture crossover. Yeah. Last episode, it finally broke through mm-hmm. in a big way. Yeah. It, it was the uh, quote-unquote water cooler talk. At the office. Yeah, I mean, I had people talking to me yesterday before the episode came out, you know, asking if I was going to go watch it. And these these are folks that, like, I've had conversations with over the years about, you know, casual stuff in life, you know, experiences, memories, sports, what have you. Not once have I talked to them about anything Star Wars, and then Star Wars came up and Ahsoka came up. Mm-hmm. We're kind of crazy. It is, but this is the power when you have a show that is really transcending that genre, which, which I mean, like we have, you know, as we like to call it, nerd culture, geek culture. It's usually when you talk to fellow fans and it never exceeds out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we go to the comic shop and talk, you know, shop with everybody there, it never kind of crosses over to people that aren't into comics outside of there. But there are certain aspects that do, like IE with the Marvel movies and, you know, DC films and such. This is one of the situations that when the show came out, 
it really had fans buzzing because of what they've done in the Star Wars universe on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. You know, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and everybody has really made this thing into a must-watch event every time it drops. Yeah. And some shows have hit more than others. You know, you can you can have that debate about the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an honest debate. Yeah, it is. But ever since The Mandalorian <laughs> opened up the door, it has been just must-watch television. And, or streaming, I should say, because it's not even television anymore. Yeah. But when Ahsoka spiraled out of The Mandalorian and had one of the most popular characters in all of Star Wars fandom finally get live-action treatment mm-hmm. and is played so well by Rosario Dawson, fans have been clamoring for when this episode this series was going to come out mm-hmm. and what episodes were going to feature certain members of that person's background. Mm-hmm. And when we finally started diving into the background of that said character of Ahsoka Tano, this is where things have been really picking up steam. And with the latest episode, it had a lot to live up to. It was following a tremendous episode. It might have been the best Star Wars television slash streaming program they have ever done. It's up there. It's in that conversation. Like yep. That's how good Shadow Warrior was. But... It was only going to last for a week, and then we had to see what the fallout was going to be with only three episodes left. So we are going to be breaking down part six, entitled Far, Far Away. Now, if you're new to, new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. It does mean the world to us. Uh, if you feel so inclined, drop us a, a review over on your favorite podcatcher, and it definitely helps boost the algorithm to get us into more listeners, you know, radars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What we like to do is we give you a spoiler-free statement of the show that we're going to be discussing. And we don't want to ruin anything for you. So if you haven't seen it yet, you don't have to worry. Because we put the liner notes of when we start talking spoilers in the show's uh, overall notes here. So you'll know when to duck out. We even give you a countdown to let you know, hey, we're going to start talking spoilers. So if you have to pause the episode to jump out, to watch it, and then come back in, you know we're not going to ruin anything for you. However, if you decide to stay through the countdown... It is game on. We don't hold anything back. We really do the deep dive, so you have been forewarned. So that said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement on part six uh, entitled Far, Far Away of Ahsoka from Disney Plus and Star Wars. I thought this was a really great episode. Uh, like I said last week, I figured with last week being such a heavy focus on Ahsoka and Hera and that this crew, that this week could be a heavy focus on the other side of the coin, you know, so Sabine and the uh, bad guys, I guess you could say, and I, and I ended up being right on that one. It was a great episode. It was right up there with last week's episode. I put last week's episode, you know, above it just because you had the whole Anakin and you had the Ahsoka mm-hmm. moments and the flashbacks and everything else, but this one was just as good. I, I will say this episode felt like dune being done in star wars which you know not a bad thing but that's just the vibe i got off of it because you know just if you've seen the movie dune or any of the adaptations of dune i got some heavy dune inspiration from this episode uh but it was a fantastic episode that's an interesting comparison yeah i'm not making fun of that i don't want to stress that now that you bring it up yeah i could i can kind of see that yeah it's that's interesting i mean me i did like the episode I thought if you had watched Star Wars Rebels, yeah, you will love this episode. Yeah, if you're still jumping in and mm-hmm. catching up on that series, mm-hmm. you might not have the impact as much. Yeah, of what transpires, right? Like if you've been watching and paying attention, you understand like what's going on. It's like, oh, hey, okay, we're we're at this point. 
But if to have the true freak out, like, oh my God, like I was, like I was pumping my fists in the air. Yeah. Because I've seen Rebels. I know. I could hear you from like miles away. Like the minute I saw said character make their appearance, I'm like, I can just hear Pat screaming right now with joy. And so were a lot of fans because this has been really starting to make rounds on social media. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see like who's been really watching the programs and really understanding and having that that fan moment too. Right. Which there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to celebrate it, listen, go right ahead and do it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But overall, yeah, this was a really good episode and really started building up to where we have two episodes left and it's going to be fair game about where we go because I think I have an idea, but we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. So that said, in three, two, one. Talk to me. This episode was really good. You know, all things considered with with the prospect of entering a new galaxy, which has never been done in Star Wars before, you know, hinted at and kind of alluded to, you know, but never outright confirmed or done. You know, this this episode for me had a lot of anticipation of like, okay, what are we going to see? What's going to happen? And I will say in a lot in some instances, I feel like they played a little bit of it safe, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it was a great episode overall. I really liked, you know, the direction they took and just the the appearances and returns, I guess you could say, both had strong, impactful moments, especially when, you know, Thrawn showed up. That was the oh shit moment that mm. like, you know, when when his Star Destroyer showed up, started like flying towards him and you hear the rumbling, but you don't see it. And then you finally see it. it's like, oh shit, here he comes. You know, and just there was a lot to this that, like, it didn't seem like much, but there was a lot of heavy weight to it. Yeah, I have to agree. Like, this was a good building for the end. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that because when you're coming off the heels of Hayden Christensen coming back as Anakin Skywalker Mm -hmm. and has the ultimate fan moment where Ahsoka meets Anakin on the astral plane, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to top. Yeah. But they gave a great chance to do it. Because this played out more for fans of Star Wars Rebels than anything. Mm-hmm. And when you have the the big reveal and return of one of his most popular characters, mm-hmm. yeah, we finally got a payoff if you've been a longtime fan for that. Oh, yeah. If you're just jumping into the regular series here, yeah, it's a big moment and you and you have an understanding about why Sabine has been doing what she's been doing. And it kind of, you can understand it. But like I say, if you've been watching Rebels, yeah, this is a bigger payoff for mm-hmm. you. And then especially when you finally see Thrawn in live action. Yep. That's the big thing that, okay, for me, I've seen him you know, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I saw it, and I was like, okay, now I get it. Now oh, I get yeah. why the hype is there behind yeah. him, and he's such a big bad in the Star Wars universe that this is now leading into where we're going for the next couple episodes. But where we kick off with this is you still have Ahsoka telling Huang, as they're flying inside the Pergil. Which is in, in hyperspace which, with a lot cooler effect than we've seen with the starships. Yeah. It was like a rainbow color effect it, going on. It was kind of, yeah, it was very trippy, yeah. which, you know, I did not mind because they, when you have to explain it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just easy, just like they're crossing the rainbow bridge, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, and, you know, I'd say it's a very cool visual. And the pair is having a talk. And, you know, you can see ah- Ahsoka is still you know, having feelings about what happened with Sabine Wren. Well, and let's be honest, she's still processing the whole thing just because they showed up on the planet, you know, got basically shot down Mm -hmm. onto the planet and then had to, you know, had to fight for their life on the way down. And then once they landed on the planet, they're like, all right, we got to still accomplish our mission. You know, Ahsoka got knocked out and sent to the world between worlds, had that whole encounter happen, came back, 
all the meanwhile, Sabine was going through her whole uh, ordeal, mm-hmm. got taken and sent off to the other galaxy. So so Ahsoka comes to, got to figure out what the hell's going on and all this other stuff. And, hey, we got to track her down. But, oh, oh, shucks, you know, the device used to track her is, is gone. So now they fly, they fly up into the atmosphere, connect with the pergola, and travel into space all in the span of, like, two days? Yeah, it's something crazy like that, the so, time frame. Yeah, so it's like, from the time she lands to the time they leave, I want to say it's, like, maybe three days and two nights. I could be wrong. You know, hashtag ODPHpod. But she's had, like, no time to process this because it's been bam, 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 bam. And now that she, her and Hu Yang are sitting in the starship, she's finally got a time to process this down. And I like the interaction they had between the two because, you know, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, you have no idea who Hu Yang is. Yeah. You know, he's a droid that accompanied all the Jedi younglings when they would go to collect their kyber crystal to build their first lightsaber. So he's been around for thousands and thousands of years. So... She Ahsoka knew who Yang from when she was a youngling, and and she's got that experience with him. And she went with the younglings to the planet Ilum to get their uh, kyber crystals. So she's built this kind of friendship with him over the years. How the hell he survived? Still don't know. Probably going to find out in a comic someday. I'm guessing. Um, I would say so. Probably, but like so, they're traveling, and and she brings up, oh hey, you know, I really liked you telling those stories, you know, and blah blah blah. And and he's like, oh yeah, do you want me to tell another story? She's like, no, that's okay. And he goes, well, why don't you tell me a story? And she brings up how, you know, she didn't tell Hera, but she she's concerned that Sabine left willingly. Mm-hmm. That, that, and, and Hu Yang's like, well, you weren't there. How did you know? And she's like, well, I got the the impression from the force, re, you know, when I was look, feeling the device or whatever she says. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and, and Hu Yang kind of leaves it open-ended that like, okay, not only did she go, but like she willingly went. So it's like, okay, she is she being tempted by the dark side? Is she like willing, easily willing to jump there? You know, and so... You know, he who Yang asks her a question. I can't remember what, but and she goes, yeah, you know what? Let's not talk about this right now. Why? You know, why don't you tell me one of those stories? And he goes, fine, I'll tell you a story about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Perfect placement for an Easter egg. Oh, my God. It might be my favorite beginning to a Star Wars show ever just because it's so small, but it's a line we've heard. For the entirety of Star Wars. Yeah. And obviously, Hu Yang is is voiced by David Tennant, mm-hmm. who nails it perfectly. Yes, and like he does. I, like I say, it's just, it's, it's, you could not open a show better. No. Just because you're coming off such an emotional high from the previous episode. Like, you need something to just kind of ease in, but still, that is just one that fires mm-hmm. you up as a Star Wars fan here in mm-hmm. that line. So, like I say, when they finally start kicking in the episode, we do catch up with Sabine Wren, who's played by Natasha Bordizzo. Mm-hmm. And obviously, things are kind of a little more complex than we thought. I hate to say I told her so, but I told her so. Break it down. Uh, because she got sold this line of crap by uh, Balin Skull. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, listen, your, your master you know, lied to you. She she pulled the wool over your eyes. I'm not gonna do that to you. Come with me. I will I will lead you to Ezra. I'll let you see Ezra. Mm-hmm. He never told her how he'd get her there. He never told her like, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna put you in like some five star first class, you know, traveling expense. No, she gets put in jail. She gets shackled. There's no windows. He goes to check on her, and she goes, you know, hey, I figured at least I'd get a room with a view. Mm-hmm. And he's like, eh, yeah, well, it is what it is. Deal with it. Yeah, no. The and, she, and, and she's screaming at him like, hey, we had a deal. Hey, we had a deal. And I'm like, yeah, and you were dumb enough to believe him. Well, you know, her belief is she's like completely blinded to go find Ezra. Right. Under any circumstance. So she's willing to take a risk where she shouldn't, 
But it also plays into her character that we've seen on the show. Right. She's not somebody that plays by the rules. She just kind of does her own thing, and it's kind of like where the chips fall where they may. Sure. They, she is they Mandalorian do. after all. Yeah, exactly. And when you see her interact with Balin Skull, played by the late Ray Stevens, Stevenson, um, like, is a real good back and forth because Dude, Stevenson in the show is so good. I know. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he he was fantastic in any role he played in. Yes. And, and like this, like I say, is just another one on his, his legendary resume, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So when they finally get the go-ahead, mm-hmm. you see that Skull is leading everybody to go meet... The Great Mothers. Well, so they they come out of hyperspace and they're and the droid, the navigator droid or whatever he is, mm-hmm. says, "Oh, we're approaching our target." So they come out of hyperspace, and one of the cooler effects I've ever seen. Again, kudos to the VFX team. Mm-hmm. You know, and they approach the planet. Uh, I believe it was called uh, Peridia, P E R I D E A. Uh, and they start approaching it, and they automatically start getting landing mm-hmm. coordinates transmitted to them, which is interesting. You know, hey, but hey, you know, we don't really know too much about this galaxy. Uh, you know, and we come to find out, like you mentioned, that they meet with the Great Mothers, mm. uh, you know, who are Night Sisters. So if you're familiar with Clone Wars, mm. you know anything about that, which they they started mentioning Mother and all that. And I'm like, oh, shit, is Mother Talzin from Clone Wars somehow still alive? It's not. I checked the credits. Okay. I was like, fuck, son of a bitch. Is this is this uh, person alive again? Because mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't. If you know anything about Night Sisters, reincarnation is not out of the realm of their wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they end up <clears throat> on the, it's the ancient homeworld of Elsbeth's, uh, Morgan Elsbeth's people, because Morgan Elsbeth is a Night Sister. She is, you know, descended from the Dathomir, Dathomir witches, which this is the original homeworld of those people. Okay. <clears throat> so when you see them finally meet on this surprise visit shall we mm-hmm. say well, well surprise but not really because they've got this like ability or whatever it is where it's like they consult the truths or the pat whatever they call it it's, they're basically like reading the force i guess yeah it's kind of an interesting thing how they set it up with the night sisters mm-hmm. and especially with how they connect with the group that is traveling to mm-hmm. like, like they knew they were coming it's just they had to wait yeah because i mean scroll scroll is rolling with a pack of you know his group there mm-hmm. and then they're trying to fly into the secret location and sure enough when everybody lands his entourage yeah and viewers at home finally get to see a certain somebody that would be grand admiral thrawn yes and that star destroyer showed up out well first they show the crew shows up and like i said the the great mothers were anticipating this because like oh yeah hey cool you're finally here but they're like wait a minute one of you, you know, reeks of Jedi. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they don't like that. And instantly, I'm thinking it's Balin Skull. Yeah. Because we know Balin Skull's got a history with the Jedi. There's Order, a connection. There's a connection there. So I'm like, oh, shit, are they somehow sensing something with him? Mm-hmm. No, it's with Sabine. Yeah. Because Sabine was friends with Ezra. She was friends with Kanan. So she was around. And she's friends with Ahsoka. She's been trained by Ahsoka. So there is some Jedi-ness to her. And they lead her off into a holding cell. And again, she's yelling, hey, Ezra, where's Ezra? You were going to lead me to Ezra. And again, I say, eh, t- told you so. You know, but yeah, so she, while she, she's trying to get her way out of there and trying to use the force, the room starts shaking. The mm-hmm. door starts shaking. And, all, and I'm sitting up going, oh, is she actually going to like st- start showing some abilities? No, it's the Star Destroyer of Grand Admiral Thrawn, which, boy, has that seen, thing seen some better days. Yeah. Oof. Well, I mean, I like how they kind of held it 
into the mind frame of Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's, it's gone through some things over the years. It's gone through some things, and there's not exactly an imperial, like a shipping yard in that galaxy that can resupply it mm-hmm. or like repair it or rebuild it. So it's kind of just been like, yeah, let's patch it up together. It's it's the equivalent of like the Millennium Falcon. Like, does it look as good as the day it rolled off the assembly line? No, but it still works. Yeah. So when he comes down and Lars Mikkelsen is playing Thrawn. Reprising the role because he did play him in uh, Clone Wars, or not Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, Rebels. Mm-hmm. He does wind up meeting with Sabine mm-hmm. and is hearing about the promises that Skull made. Yeah. And he is saying, well, we will honor your deal. This dude is like eight steps ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. And Sabine, rightfully so, is very skeptical she, of this. Because she's got a history. With, well, she and the rest of the Rebels crew uh, from the t- TV show I've got a history with with uh, Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And defeating him and eluding his capture and all this. And he even says, oh, you know, after so much time, it's good to see a familiar face again. Yeah. You know, but him being the brilliant tactician he is, he goes, listen, Balin Skull told me about your deal with the, uh, you know, finding Ezra. And she goes, yeah. And he goes, well, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm going to honor your uh, agreement and pact with Balin's call. I'm going to give you a ride. We're going to give you the latest intel we have on, on Bridger. And we're going to let you go find him. And she goes, all right, but what's the hook? Or what's the catch? She's, he's like, no, no catch. Mm-hmm. Just know that, you know, we're going to take what we need from this planet. We're going to leave. And once we leave, there's no way for you to get back to your galaxy. Yeah. So you'll be stranded here for the rest of your life. And and she she trusts him and she goes, okay. And she gets the information and she leaves. Well, you got to think about it. Sabine is so focused on finding Ezra mm-hmm. that she's willing to cut deals with devils left and right. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn, who just, like I say, Mickelson's charisma here mm-hmm. is just second to none. And, and I got to say, too, the stormtroopers he rolled in with are awesome. Yeah, because they had, like, gold plating on them. Uh-huh. Like, it was just such a cool, unique look to them. I'm also willing to bet at least a quarter of them are actually alive. The, the other 75% are dead. Just because, hey, he knows Night Sisters. Night Sisters can reincarnate the dead. And I'm not talking, like, bring them back to life like they're sentient. No, I'm talking like zombies. I'm willing to bet at least three quarters of those stormtroopers are zombies. I tell you what, if we have a Walking Dead crossover, my mind will explode. Uh, I did do one in college for an audio project, just saying. Uh, but no, I'm like, because they can bring stuff back to life. And he brings it up later in the episode about how their forces have dwindled over the years. and Because he wants to send a, a squadron to attack. Mm-hmm. And they're, and Morgan Elizabeth goes, well, wait, why only two squadrons? Wouldn't you want to send a lot more? And he goes, listen, we don't exactly have the resources. Two is fine. Yeah. So Sabine leaves yep. to go on her quest. Mm-hmm. And Skull and his uh, his apprentice, Haiti is looking, going like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, of course, Thrawn just very calmly says, no, we're going to honor your deal. Yeah. But I want you two to follow her. Mm-hmm. Because I want you to kill her and Bridger. Yeah. Because we want to make sure we tie up this loose end. Bridger's the whole reason he's in this other galaxy. Yeah. This is a loose thread he wants tied off. And that instantly, too, connects with new viewers. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't know who Ezra is... Mm-hmm. Why would anybody care about what Thrawn is doing to track him down? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how dangerous of a threat he is to the Empire. Mm-hmm. That Thrawn's willing to go this route to literally allow himself possibly to lose, even though he's figured out he can't, mm-hmm. to go find out and take care of this loose threat from stopping him. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of an interesting you know, play-on-play that goes down, and you see Sabine take off and makes her way through the alien world. 
I know there's a little bit that she bumps into uh, a couple um, drifters. Uh, I think they, because I had the subtitles on, I believe they were called the Naughty. Yeah. N-O-T-I. Yes. So when they intervene, when there is uh, also more of the planet's inhabitants running around, she f- winds up working with them and has like this, you know, very friendly back and forth banter to kind of break mm-hmm. up the, the tension in the, in the show. But the Nadi leads her to their village. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, who is at the village than the one and only Ezra Bridger? Yeah, and they make the connection because obviously New New Galaxy, there's a language barrier between the two. Uh, but she, uh, the Nadi she runs into sees the Rebel Alliance logo on her shoulder pad. Mm-hmm. And the Nadi that sees it goes, oh, and I'm... I don't even know why I can say paraphrasing. I'm loosely translating, I guess you could say. He goes, oh, hey, I know, I know that symbol. And he's wearing a necklace. And she goes, oh, where did you get that? Wait a minute. Ezra Bridger. Do you know where Ezra Bridger? Do you know where Ezra Bridger is? And that's the two words that the naughty can understand that she's saying. He goes, oh, Ezra Bridger, follow me. Yeah. And Aman Esfandi mm-hmm. is playing Ezra. And it, it's a great moment because you see him you're just relieved to see a familiar face. Yeah. And he's trying to, like, hold back his emotions, too. Mm-hmm. And Sabine is, is doing this as well until they finally have a, a hugging embrace. And then it's like, well, where are we going to wind up doing? And he's like, man, I can't wait to get off this planet. Mm-hmm. And you see the look in Sabine's face when this happens. And she knows, I don't know how to break this to you. Yeah. We're not going home. Yeah. But it's an interesting play that happens. But also, you still have what's going on with Skull. Mm-hmm. And Haiti because they are on the they're trying to track down Sabine, but he gets a little distracted because mm-hmm. something is going on in Pareda that he doesn't know how to exactly figure out, mm-hmm. and that is he kind of senses that there's some kind of there's something there. Yeah, like I don't want to say it's the Force, no, but there's something here that he's like, we could use this for us. Yeah, and it's kind of like at this situation. This might have been the only thing I didn't like about the episode. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like too quick of a double cross. Mm-hmm. Like that he's been working Thrawn of all people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think this is just planting a seed for down the road because mm-hmm. we do know there is that series or movie coming uh, that's supposed to tie up all of the threads that we've been seeing from Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, this, you know, that's going to tie up everything that we've seen. And I think this is going, and, and we've also been seeing seeds planted to kind of bridge the story or, or how we got from a to B from with return of the Jedi to, you know, force awakens and rise of Skywalker and all that. And I, I think that's what this is, mm-hmm. is that it, it's planting a seeds that like, okay, Balin skull obviously trained in the force was a Jedi during the pre the prequels, you know, he senses, something on that planet and he's like and, and he talks about in the episode of like listen the galaxy is one big cycle of wash rinse repeat hmm. you know you know the good guys the jedi help take things over and and they thrive for a while and then the sith come through and then they then they rule things but then the jedi and Emily rise back up and they take out the sith and then the jedi are in power he goes he basically says listen it's the cycle and there's something on that planet that he wants to get that will break that cycle and start anew Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays in. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the ending of the episode. Mm-hmm. And the great mothers yeah. 
sense that something has entered the atmosphere. A Jedi is on on their way. Mm-hmm. And that would be Ahsoka. Yep. And once Thrawn figures this out. Well, Thrawn does it. Well, Thrawn hears it and goes, looks at Morgan Elsbeth, who at some point off camera told him what had happened because he's familiar with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And goes, hey, I thought Ahsoka was dead. And she goes, and Morgan Elsbeth goes, Balin's skull promised me she was. And he goes, well, clearly not. Yeah. So now he knows that one of the greatest threats to him mm-hmm. is alive and coming for him. Mm-hmm. And it, immediately at this point, he is like, I need all the information I can get. Who's her, what's her history? Where's she from? Who is her master? What does she use for weapons? Yep. He is now planning for what is going to be an eventual battle that he kind of seems a little worried he's not going to survive. Yeah. Well, Not going to lie. This dude, is, like I said, this dude is always eight steps ahead of the enemy because there was an episode in Rebels where he had a painting from the uh, from Hera's people. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the race's name. I apologize. But like from her people that meant a lot to them and was very special to them. And he had it hanging in the office of his Star Destroyer, knowing full well that at some point, this band of rebels, because at this point, this was like season three, I want to say. They'd made enough, this three or four. They didn't, they'd made enough noise at this point that like the Empire started to get some wind to them. That like he knows, all right, at some point, I'm going to run into them. And I need a way to like bring them in yeah. and sucker them in. Mm. And he, that's what he did. He had this painting there. He hung it up in his office. And once Harris saw it, Harris was like, I need to get this painting back. And that's how he trapped her in there. Yeah, no, I mean, he is, uh, you know, brute. I would say brute force, but I don't think that's the right word to say for Ahsoka. He's a, he's a tactician. He's a tactician, so it's like, you know, the immovable object, the irresistible force, like mm-hmm. something, something's got to give. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. But, it. I mean, overall, I think it did its job about getting the story moving again mm-hmm. to its proper conclusion. Well, and, it, and it's kind of, I guess, the back third of the golf course, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. where like we've been building this entire time, the first of the first like three quarters of this uh, season to like, all right, they got to find Thrawn. They want to find Ezra. Well, now we're here. Now what's going to happen? Yeah. And it's, hey, all right, we've been building for, for five episodes, six and a half to finding Thrawn, finding Ezra. Okay, well, now we did. Now let's, you know, introduce those characters to folks who don't know who they are and reintroduce them to folks who, you know, might not have seen them for a bit. Yeah. Now we're getting this set up for the finale. Yeah, and I think that's a smart play to do, too. Like mm-hmm. I see, that's the key thing that when you're sitting here, especially with a time frame of only eight episodes, mm-hmm. I think what Filoni has done here, and this is no shock to any Star Wars fans, but for anybody that's just tuning in, he is very smart about breaking up stories into three parts. Yeah, he is. And where he's now setting up the beginning and the ends, I think he does really well. The middles, I, I think, are good, but mm-hmm. they, and sometimes they're great, but I think they're just consistent. Like, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. I think what he's doing is he's really setting up for one heck of a finale, mm-hmm. and then all bets are off of what we're going to have after. That's what he did a lot in Clone Wars was, you know, the arcs were typically three, sometimes four episodes. And occasionally you have one in the middle that was like a one-off, you know, or would eventually become a multi-part later through another season or whatever. But that's where he's at his best is when he's doing these three-part arcs that give him the time and the space to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's always a trick to do as a storyteller. Because you can either do too much or too little. you got to find just what's right. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really done it here. And especially if you want to build up some excitement going into the last couple episodes, 
you have to start at some point. You don't want to have it be too much too early, and you don't have it too late. Like, I think if you try doing a two-parter at this stage in the game, I don't know if that would work as well. Mm-hmm. So I think now that he has it set up, I think it's going to be good. I think for next week's episode, all bets are off. I think probably something will be really getting emotional with Star Wars fans because I think Sabine is going to be telling Ezra they're not leaving and something's going to happen. Yeah, well, you got to figure there's going to be at least some explanation of what's happened since they got separated because when Sabine and the rest of the Rebels crew got separated from Ezra, that was right around the time of Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Like, Rogue One was about to happen, and now here we are all these years after Return of the Jedi. So he's missed some stuff. Yeah. (laughs) He needs to get caught up on a little bit of history. He's definitely missed some stuff, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays. But I think ultimately the fans are going to have a lot to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I don't think the show is going to falter on the ending. I think Filoni understands this, especially because Ahsoka is his most favorite character. I think this is a fair statement. Yeah, so Ahsoka's, his, yeah, Ahsoka's kind of his baby, his and George's baby. That like They came up with that. He's wanted to do the story, and every time they've done something with Ahsoka in live action, he's always been involved. Yeah, so I think now that it's going to come to fruition – I think we're going to expect a real fun ending to the season one. Mm-hmm. And then let's hope we hear something about season two as we move forward. We'll see. Definitely have to see. So in the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Ahsoka Part 6 entitled Far, Far Away? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, guys. This is Mac Room. I'm the writer of Infernogo Red, and you're listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad... What you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is some news for Loki Season 2. No, it's not been delayed again. It's still on time. Uh, it's actually getting moved up a day. Oh. A couple hours, whatever you want to say. Okay. Uh, because much in the same way Ahsoka was moving from, you know, the typical midnight on, you know, uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start time to now it comes out at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific time. The day earlier, Loki is going to be doing the same thing because it was originally going to release on Friday, October 6th. Okay. I believe that's a Friday. Yes, it is. Now it is being released on uh, Thursday, October 5th. Again, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So, hey, you won't have to get up at the butt crack of dawn to watch it and binge it before you go to work or any or you go for, get ready for school or whatever it is you do in the morning you can watch it uh at home after dinner i love this i do too i don't think anybody realizes how much i love this oh no it, this is phenomenal yes uh which i mean it's great to hear the show's coming out on time i know there's a lot of speculation because of reasons <laughs> yeah why we weren't sure what was going to be happening with it but I, i'm super excited to see it because obviously there's a lot of questions I got to answer mm-hmm. involving the God of Mischief mm-hmm. and where things are heading because yeah, yeah. I understand after the Marvels comes out, yep. we head to uncharted water concerning the MCU. Yes, we do. Because of everything going on and we are hopeful that Strike will be over by then. Yes. So until then, you know, we still got a little months of Marvel left to watch and I'm definitely excited to see where things are going to be heading because if it's a long gap, mm-hmm. that's the tide us over. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about some movie news because there was a trailer released today. It was the second official trailer for the upcoming Hunger Games prequel movie, Okay. Uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Now, a reminder, this one does take place, I think it's like 63, 64 years before the events of the original films. Uh, so you won't see any appearances from any characters, at least not in theory, although there is one in there, but as a younger version of themselves. Uh, but in terms of like the actors and actresses showing up, from the original trilogy, barring some sort of maybe like 
scene where they're thinking back and they're seeing a flashback and it turns into this kind of like a Hobbit situation mm-hmm. uh, where you did see Elijah Wood at the start of the Hobbit trilogy. I don't see that happening. So don't go in expecting, you know, to see the a- actors and actresses from the original trilogy. This is going to be something different, but I am excited for this because we did get a new trailer uh, for the film's coming out November 17th, uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, who did do three quarters of the last uh, trilogy uh, for the Hunger Games. He did the second film, Catching Fire, and then he did the third and fourth films, uh, Mockingjay Part 1 and Mockingjay Part 2. So I love the hell out of his work. He did fantastic work with those films, uh, but this does have a stellar cast, I will say. You've got Rachel Zegler uh, in the film. You've also got Jason Schwartzman is in it. Peter Dinklage, Viola Davis is in it, just to name a few. And I got to say, this movie looks really good. You know, it's it's got that kind of like retro vibe. You know, mm-hmm. It's got like the 50s or 60s thing going on to it. It's just to really show and emphasize like, hey, this is before everything you knew. And I'm interested to see where this goes. And if you've read the books or you've seen the movie, you might be familiar with the scene of the hanging tree. Uh, I think we might actually be seeing that event take place in this movie just because, well, the song made famous by Jennifer Lawrence singing it. I think she even got a uh, Grammy for that for that song. I could be wrong. She, I know she won some sort of award for singing She that did song. get an award. I don't know if it was a Grammy, though. It was for singing that song, though, at some award show. But, you know, based off that song and the hanging tree, there is a tree in this trailer that's seen a couple of quick glimpses. Uh, but it does look like some uh, rather unsavory stuff has gone on at that tree or will be going on at that tree during this film. So might be seeing that in the film, but I got to say the film looks really good. I'm super excited to see this uh, with my girlfriend when this comes out on November 17th. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I'm not the big fan of the Hunger Games as Pat is. I think mm-hmm. it's very well noted. I respect his fandom. Yeah. Though. See, you know, that's the cool thing. If I don't like something and he does, it's still cool. Like it's, yeah. you know, we don't have to get along with everything, but I will admit like that looks interesting. The, yeah. the movie has a very cool retro vibe like you touched mm-hmm. upon. So I would be more inclined to see it, right. but I'm not like, you know, yeah. chomping chomp- at the bit the day. Comes yeah. Out. Right. Like I got expendable fours this week to do. Oh, that's true. Because reasons. Uh, listen, we need no reasons. Yeah, exactly. It's expendables. What can you say about mm-hmm. that? So before we get into comic picks, I do have some uh, one more like TV show news, and okay. then we can go right into business as well. Okay. Uh, so it was announced that we finally have a return date for the last half and final episodes of AMC's Fear the Walking Dead. Uh. So if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know I think this has been the flagship show for quite some time. However, though, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. This season, they did a time jump. I have not been feeling it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not connected with me, um, but I still want to watch this play out because I think that I think they can rebound. But I'm <laughs> really curious about what they're going to wind up doing. Mm-hmm. So there is a trailer out right now, and the tagline uh, that has been kind of going around with it is quote In the end, no one's gone till they're gone. Mm. So end quote. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how this plays out. But October 22nd, it's kicking off. And I'm definitely want to be talking about that at some point, whether it's on here, whether it's on Patreon, because I, like I say, I think the show has been very good. I mean, the Walking Dead universe is kind of polarizing to a lot of fans these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the show with Negan and Maggie, debatable. Yeah. Um, I know the Daryl Dixon show just came out. A couple episodes. I think they just did episode two this week. Yeah. So that might be coming to Patreon, folks, uh, to talk about. We'll have to see how it plays out, but I'm definitely interested to see how everything plays out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, very quickly, comic news-wise, just got something from Boom Studios. Shout out to Boom. Yeah. Boom is fantastic. Yeah. Really, really can't speak highly enough of those people <coughs> over at Boom. Uh, 
There is a book coming out that is one for something is killing the children fans. Uh, and this is one that is going to be on my radar, and it's Book of Butcher number one. It's coming out in December. And this one is going to have uh, kind of like a little backstory of what it played out in the Book of Slaughter last year. Now, I always recommend this as when the strike gets done and Netflix starts kind of hyping up more about this transitioning from comic to TV show. Mm-hmm. You're going to start hearing a lot more about this universe, and you want to get on board quickly. Now, we did uh, review Volume 1 on Turner Page last night on Nerd Initiative YouTube. The episode's up right now. In fact, there's a link on odphpodcast.com that takes you right there. Can't make it easier. There is a spinoff book that came out last year called Book of Slaughter, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes about everything of the Order of St. George. So if you pick that up, there is a story that is going on in this Book of Butcher is the sequel to that. Ah, okay. So I don't want to give too much away about it, but we did get the press release from the fine folks over at Boom. And like I tell you what, I cannot contain my excitement about this. I'm trying not to say any spoilers. Just rest assured, if you haven't picked it up yet, go check it out. Go buy everything that's something that's killing the children because it's a fantastic series. And it deserves all the praise in the world that it gets for James Tinian and Werther Del Edra. So, and apologies for last night. I, I was having issues saying the name because I get so amped up talking about this. You know, Pad, mm-hmm. I sometimes butcher names. This is true. Absolutely. And no pun intended. So definitely make sure you check this out because it's uh, it's going to be on my radar about this. And also, uh, speaking of stuff to check out, there is a lot going on in New York Comic Con uh, this coming uh, three weeks now, mm-hmm. uh, this year. And it was announced by Marvel. The next big thing panel on Saturday, October 14th, might be the panel to go to. It usually is. Yeah, they're definitely loading it up. Uh, there's three teaser images out. I'm just going to hit them quickly. Fall of the House of X. Uh-huh. Rise of the of Powers of Ten. So something is going on there. I believe this is the transition for, out of the age of Krakoa. This is going to be huge for X-Men fans. So you want to make sure that you're taking the time to go check it out. Also, it was announced Chip Zdarsky and Daniel Kuna is heading up Avengers Twilight. So Avengers fans, you got to look forward to that in January, so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. And just added the Resurrection of Magneto. So if you're going to New York Comic Con, this is going to be a panel to go check out. I will be in attendance for this, and trust me, we'll have a lot to talk about it after on the ODPH. But before we take off this week, it's new comic book day. Pad, what are you picking up at the shops? Got to talk some uh, DC, and obviously we've got Superman issue number six from Joshua Williamson, uh, which reads, The Chained Part One. Following the shocking cliffhanger of Superman number five and the events of Night Terrors, Superman has learned that Lex Luthor kept a prisoner beneath Stryker's Island for decades. Yeah. Who are they, and why did Lex lock them up? Can Superman unlock the secrets of The Chained, featuring guest artist Gleb Melnikoff? Uh, so that one looks super interesting. That uh, whole series has been money. Yeah, it has. Uh, then switching over to the Marvel side of things, uh, you've got Amazing Spider-Man issue number 34 from Zeb Wells. Uh, the cover of this one, uh, certainly interesting. Hey, now. Uh, it is a broken mirror, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, with one half of the face being Spider-Man, the other half being Green Goblin. Uh, so that's certainly something. A uh, description of this reads, Spider-Man's first hunt. The hunter is now the prey. Can Craven survive? So that's going to be all sorts of batshit crazy. Oh, okay. Uh, Then you've got Star Wars Dark Droids D-Squad, issue number one of four. Uh, This one, this is from Mark Guggenheim. Uh, This one says, the unsung heroes of the Clone Wars return. 
A terrible scourge is corrupting the galaxy's droids. To fight this menace, R2-D2 has assembled a team of droid heroes, the D-Squad, filled with guest stars from across the galaxy, including a special appearance and showdown by Chopper from Star Wars Rebels. Oh, here we go. Plus, the Book of Ajax provides the missing pieces in linking Revelations, Dark Droids, and Han Solo and Chewbacca read to see how it's all connected. So this one looks certainly interesting because obviously you got R2-D2, you got Chopper, you got the pitroid that admittedly I forget who it was. He was the leader of the uh, he was the un- unofficial leader of D Squad in a couple episodes of Clone Wars. But you've got BT One and Triple Zero, uh, the evil R two and evil C three PO from the comics. Oh, by the way, it looks like Forlom and IG eighty eight are there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not fucking around with this. No, you're bringing in a couple of bounty hunters. Oh boy. No, this lo- this looks really interesting. This looks just the cast alone is fucking absurd. Between R two, the war criminal Chopper, listen, R- Chopper's a war criminal. I won't hear other ones. Yeah. For uh, for Lom and IG eighty eight, and then BT one and triple zero. This this is a squad to be feared. Just saying. Uh, also from the folks over at Marvel, this one caught my eye. What if Dark Carnage issue number one? Wait, what? Yeah, a, a what if? Dark Carnage, issue number one from Larry Hama. What if Cortland Cassidy became uh, Carnage? Cletus Cassidy, the man, the madman who bonded to Carnage, wasn't the only family member to have a connection with symbiotes. Cortland Cassidy, his long-dead ancestor, rests beneath the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane. What would happen if the symbiote reanimated the corpse of Cortland Cassidy? Is the world big enough for two Cassidy Carnages. That is wild. Uh-huh. Like what they're doing with the what if dark is really some fantastic stuff. I, I I will admit I've fallen behind on it just because life and the amount of books I get in a week. Yeah. But it always looks interesting. And yeah, that one, oh man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and lastly, and certainly not leastly, from the folks over at Dynamite Comics, also Disney, you've got uh, Gargoyles Dark Ages, issue number three from Greg Weissman. Uh, and this one reads, uh, Let sleeping giants lie. As Angel language- languishes in chains, Mentor comes to the rescue. But this escaped attempt may cause more harm than good. Meanwhile, construction continues on Castle Wyvern, but the noise awakens something that was better left undisturbed. Hmm. Uh, writer and Gargoyles creator Greg Weissman and artist Drew Moss uh, from Red Sonia continue their ep- epical exploration of the Gargoyles' origin in this third issue, Dark Ages, whose 40 pages include a new text story from Weissman and all new cardstock covers featuring art by Clay- Clayton Crane, Alan Kwa, uh, Mirka Andoloff, Kenya Danino, Erica Henderson, and more. Yeah, the Gargoyles series, I mean, you're telling me, is on point. It is very good. Yes. As a longtime fan of that series since it was on television way the hell back when it is fantastic stuff yeah so i always go by your word by it like i gotta get into it but like i say i read a lot so so i'm trying to balance out what i can get to in a week because this week was one of the best weeks of comics i think just in general has been absolutely money um i gotta say there's just no matter who what publisher you go to this week Mm -hmm. there's so much good out there from DC, Pat already alluded to Superman 6. Yeah. That, that whole series, Joshua Williamson is absolutely killing that. Uh, it is up there in some of the best superhero books out right now. And DC, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, when they're back to Dawn of DC, they are very, very hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So this week, Batman, Superman, World's Finest. Uh, Travis Moore is stepping in for Dan Moore on art duties. It's Mark Waid. It's the second part of the first meeting between Batman and Superman. And it's a very cool retro story. Love this book. 
can't talk highly enough about it. Nightwing 106 brings back Dick Grayson and in a big way too. Tom Taylor's kicking off a new arc. Stephen Byrne is stepping in on the art duties. They have another side story at the end of this too. So you're going to see a lot of names featured in the creative lineup for this, but it's a really cool story. It's tying back to some stuff that's happened in pre-issue 100 and it's Tom Taylor. I mean, I don't think I need to say any more, No, but Trust me when I say it deserves all the praise it's getting because it's fantastic. Also, another Tom Taylor book out, Nicola Scott's on the art duty for that, is Titans number three. So that is really picking up some steam, too. Uh, The one that really caught my eye, though, and I think is a fantastic story, Tom King, Daniel Sampier, and that is the new Wonder Woman book. Mm. Now, Tom King, I know a lot of people really love his writing. I know a lot of people really do not like his writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, It's either you're one or the other. Me, I've always liked Tom King, but I respect the other people's opinions about it because, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm a reasonable fan. But this book has a very unique take on Wonder Woman and an event happens that is going to really change the status quo. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. I think he's definitely going some places with it. I think there's been a lot of hype behind this book, and rightfully so. And it's going to be one you want to check out when you get to the comic shops. And definitely I have no problem discussing this book at all. When you go pick this up, folks, because trust me, it is a very, very good book. Also, Marvel, like I say, they had a great week, too. Dark X-Men number two came out. Uncanny Spider-Man with Kurt Wagner, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Nightcrawler, stepping in the role. Yeah. So the costume looks amazing. Uncanny Avengers is also out, too. So number two is coming out for that. Predator versus Wolverine. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be nuts. Yeah, that's going to be absolutely crazy. Guardians of the Galaxy are back, too. Like I say, Marvel has got a lot of big wins going on, so it just doesn't matter like what if you're Avengers, X-Men. There's a lot there for you from them as well. But you know me, I love talking the indies, and this has been a great week for them, too. Uh, coming out from Image Comics, Noctera, it's number 16, Scott Snyder, Tony Daniel. And this is the end of the No Break storyline. This is kind of a wild ending. If you haven't picked this book up, trust me, you are missing out. You need to fix that ASAP. A lot of big wins there. Also, Kaya, number 11 by Wes Craig. That's a phenomenal book. Uh, Hexagon Bridge, number one by Richard Blake from Image. That's a one that's gaining a lot of steam, getting a lot of people asking questions about that one. Click, click, boom, number four. Doug Wagner, Doug Daps. And this story is just getting more crazy by the day, and I love it. I think it's one of the best books out there. IDW, great week. It's also part three of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Stranger Things. Oh, okay. So that has been a very, very fun series. IDW is putting out some really cool stuff lately. So if you haven't checked them out lately, you need to fix that ASAP. You know, last but not least, Boom Studios. Like I say, I, I speak the praises of Boom because they put out quality work every single week. And this week, absolutely no exceptions. Uh, there's a brand new book I haven't got the chance to check out personally, but I've been hearing nothing but uh, great things about, and that's Rare Flavors. So Ram V is writing, Philip Andre is on the art duty. So hearing a lot of buzz behind this. Definitely want to kind of dive into this when I get some time this week. Also, Something is Killing the Children, uh, number 33, James Tinian, Werther Del Edra, and this book is absolute fire. Uh, like I say, it deserves all the praise in the world it gets. So if you haven't picked it up yet, you need to pick it up. Sirens of the City, number three, Joanne Starr and Kari Randolph. This book is getting really, really interesting, and it's going a lot of different directions than I thought it was going to go in when I initially read it, but that's not a bad thing. Last but not least on my poll list, Grim number 13, the coolest book at the shops. Don't even question it. Don't even at me about it. There is nothing like Grim on the racks right now at the comic shops. It is a, it's not even a comic, it's a vibe. 
Stephanie Phillips, Flaviano, and absolutely gives you a heart-wrenching tale <coughs> that just will, if you've been following the series since day one, you're going to definitely feel this one. It, phenomenal work. Like I say, really enjoyed this book. There's so much wind, too. Like I say, we can go on and on and on. But there's one book that I want to close with talking about, and that is when you hear this episode, as long as it's before September 21st, there is a Kickstarter that we have to support. We we have been supporting here at the ODPH. We've been supporting at Nerd Initiative. We really want to make sure you get a push for it because if you miss out on this book, shame on you. And that is Inferno Girl Red, book two by Matt Groom, Erica Durso, Igor Monte, and Becca Carey. The Kickstarter campaign is almost wrapped up. It's almost at goal as we are recording, but don't miss out on your chance to go get this book. Seriously, we support it, and we do it honestly. Uh, I have bought um, a lot of copies for myself and somebody else. So we want to make sure, and that's just me alone. You can talk to Marty from Panel to Panel and the Nerd Initiative Bullpen. He's got a lot of copies. Uh, a lot of our friends do because the book is that good, and we don't sit here and just do it to do it. We do it because we stand by it, and we want to make sure that's in everybody's hands because we want to talk to Matt about this next year. We want to make sure that the Massive Verse gets the proper praise it does because it's comics' most exciting universe. So trust me when I say this. Go sign up on the link. It's in the liner notes on this episode, and don't miss out on it. Seriously, you'll be regretting it if you do. Trust me. So that being said. One more quick thing because Marvel just decided to announce something. Of course. Of course. Coming to the Marvel Next Big Fig panel at uh, New York Comic Con on Saturday, October 14th. This uh, this will be launching in January 2024. Written by Jonathan Hickman and with Marco, and I'm going to butcher, butcher this last name, Chichetto? Yep, you got it. Ultimate Spider-Man. What? I'm, I'm Sorry, I just made everybody's ears pop. I'm showing you the tweet. Oh, shh. Ultimate Spider-Man is coming back. Uh, with the tweet from Marvel reading, quote, Jonathan Hickman's Ultimate Invasion limited series spawns an entire new Ultimate Universe, complete with a new Ultimate Spider-Man by Hickman and Marco. Get more details next month at hashtag MarvelNYCC. Oh, that's big. Uh-huh. That's, they that, just announced it. That's huge. So okay, now, I mean, we said it was a must-attend before. Yeah. This is now the panel to go to at NYCC. Oh, we are going to have a lot to discuss on this one when this drops. I'm in. Oh, yeah, Pat. I'm, I'm in. We are definitely in on this one. Yeah, I'm just going to wrap this up because I have to process this. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week, sir. For the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.